Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spencer Rubin is pursuing his dream of becoming a professional oboist by attending Juilliard. He recently entered the school armed with his talent, dedication, and 1.4 million followers and fans of his TikTok account, which features classical music videos that showcase his humorous, accessible, and occasionally imperfect side. Before I posted the video that started it all, I showed my mom and she's like, you can't post that on the internet. You don't sound that good in it. And I was like, hmm. I kind of like it. I'm just going to post it and see what happens. If I put stuff out there that isn't polished and perfect, people can relate better and understand and not have this prejudice that classical music is unapproachable. Like, oh, these people are normal too. You're listening to Speaking Soundly, the podcast that explores the art of artistry. I'm your host, David Krauss, principal trumpet of the Metropolitan Opera. As a musician in New York City, I get to perform with some of the world's greatest artists every night. During each episode, you'll hear me speak with these inspiring performers as we lift the veil on talent to hear about their process and the personal journey that led them to the stage. You just graduated high school. You're about to go off to college. This is, I'm sure, a very exciting time for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of your friends and classmates, I would imagine, are traveling far away for college, yet you're staying right here in New York going Mm -hmm. to Juilliard. And it's a place you already know well because you just graduated from their Saturday pre-college program. Do you wish you were starting fresh in a place you knew nothing about, or does going to a college that you already know what the hallways look like and the classrooms look like provide uh, a sense of comfort to you? Yeah, I think starting such a big milestone like this, it's definitely comforting to have this space that I'm already familiar with. Just in general, something that is always the most worrisome to me is the logistics of something. And it's like more than the people. So the fact that I know which rooms are where and where to go for all my classes, I think will be super comforting and nice. I know that transition very well because I'm also from Long Island and I also went to pre-college before 
going to Juilliard as a college freshman. The only difference is when I entered as a freshman, I had like two friends. And you have, what, 1.3 million <laughs> followers on TikTok. You're not exactly going to be another face in the crowd. How do you feel beginning this new chapter of your life without the anonymity? It's a little bit overwhelming because sometimes I'll get stares in the hallway and people will look at me because I'm sure they know it's not like randomly staring at me. But I'm excited because I think that'll get past those awkward icebreakers in the beginning. People like will already know my name. Like I probably won't know theirs, but it'll be something to be like, oh, you're Spencer, right? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah. And so, so you've I, already practiced the, the interaction. <laughs> you have this video where you're opening your college acceptance letter. It's not mm -hmm. a letter, it's an email, right? But you open yeah. the email <laughs> and this one was for Juilliard. Mm -hmm. And um, spoiler, yeah, you got in. And <laughs> not only that, you got a tuition-free scholarship. So you go nuts in the video, right? I do, yeah. yeah. But that was a pretty brave thing to do because it could have gone either way. What was it like for you after you stopped recording yourself and you were alone, maybe with your family. So the whole thing was a real experience because I think they were supposed to release it at 7 p.m., but it actually came out at 7.30. And like I had my whole room set up to do this college reaction video planned at 7. But I also had this National Honor Society induction ceremony at school that was mandatory to go to. And it started at 7.30. But obviously, I'm not going to like wait until after the ceremony to see if I got into my dream school. So like I'm in the car and I actually brought my ring light to put in the car to have good lighting while I was filming the video because the lighting has to be good. Like what if the reaction's really good? So I have my dad holding the phone in front of me as the tripod. And so then I, I have my computer open and I click it. Obviously the reaction is quite intense. And right as I'm opening it, we're in the parking lot in my school and there's currently like the first half of the ceremony finishing before me and I like jump out of the car and scream and people are staring at me like oh my god what is he doing and then I go into the school because I'm late for the ceremony opening my letter and I'm telling people I'm like oh my god I just got into Juilliard and what what it was pretty great and then I had to sit through like a two-hour ceremony and not say anything and just be like thinking in my head like what just happened so as you're sitting there after you have this news and you can't really talk to anybody because you're at this school function mm. and you just have this opportunity to think about it, what was going through your head for those few hours? Well, first I was thinking of like the order in which I tell people. And then it was like, oh, like this really happened. Like I always knew the possibility of just like getting into Juilliard being a big enough accomplishment as it is. I was just trying to process it all. Like, oh my God, this actually happened. We both know that all you have is that one audition you can be the top of your field and maybe have a bad day. Did you feel really happy that you had put in the work and it was reflected in that decision? Yeah, so I get super nervous before anything. Like even before this, I was like nervous. So Juilliard was my last audition out of all of them. And it was my only in-person audition. And, you know, I was talking to a lot of people like while this whole audition experience was happening and they were like, oh, I hate Zoom auditions. I really wish I could play in person. And I'm kind of the opposite. I know that's weird, but I would rather think that I'm just playing for a blank screen in front of me and imagine 
that the teachers aren't even there. Like, that's what I did for all my Zoom auditions. I just pretended that no one was there. I was just like playing. I mean, I literally was just playing in my living room and they just happened to be listening. That's like how I was thinking to ease the nerves. But I knew that Juilliard was going to be in person. Um, so obviously I was super worked up for that. But right after the audition, I ran down the stairs to my mom and I got a little bit emotional because I was like, oh my God, this is my best audition out of all of them. And I really do think it was because of my preparation. I don't think it was like a, a fluke. And I never think my auditions are good. And the fact that I thought it was good, I knew that like that actually meant that it was good because I'm so critical of myself. So I knew in that moment, like even if things didn't work out, I was super proud that I put in the work and that I knew that the work is really what paid off in the end. I have to tell you, quite honestly, I, I'm surprised to hear that you get nervous because you look so completely at ease it's in so your funny. videos. Like whenever I'm super nervous and I look back at myself, I'm like, I look so calm. What is happening? I had this one orchestral performance and in the moment I was like freaking out. And then I watched it back and I was like, I look so calm and collected. I don't know. I think it's all in my head. Are there physical manifestations of that? Do you shake? Do you have a hard time breathing? I, I'm asking because I know that like my instrument, the trumpet, the oboe, the breath control involved is paramount to the way yeah. you play. The main thing is probably that my mouth gets so dry, like to the point where after 30 seconds, I cannot feel my tongue moving. And if I'm playing like a super articulated passage, there's no hope. Like, it better be at the end of the piece when I'm over the nerves because my mouth will be so dry, like there's no moisture. So I have to like bite my tongue to generate any saliva or anything. But usually after like five or 10 minutes, I'm pretty like in the zone and it'll right. get back to normal. But I still haven't found a solution for the dry mouth. So I have one. Gatorade. You drink that and it kind of stays in your mouth a little bit oh, longer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of gross to talk about. But uh, <laughs> yeah, try Gatorade. Okay, maybe, I will. Maybe that'll help. You chose a very difficult instrument. <laughs> the oboe is challenging, and it takes yeah. a long time to master. It's not like a piano or a violin where you can have a, a six-year-old prodigy. I mean, you need time mm -hmm. and your physical state to be developed in order to improve. What's the biggest challenge on the instrument itself? Um, I think reeds, honestly, are the hardest thing. Whenever my mom is in the house and she's like, Spencer, you've been making reads for so long today, like you need to practice. I'm like, no, because if I don't have a good read, I won't sound good. I, I really do think that. I would rather spend hours working on reads because that'll make the playing so much easier. If you have a good read, that doesn't mean you can play all the notes, but also notes aren't everything. And I would rather have a beautiful singing tone than be able to play the fastest pieces. And so I, I think scraping these tiny objects are the hardest things like yeah yeah so one aspect of your life is alone in a practice room engaged in the music just you and your instrument yet another is being engaged through your videos with millions of people on a daily basis do you ever find it difficult to balance those two major aspects of your life and do they ever interfere with each other I kind of like the difference of being in the public eye and like having my alone time. I spend hours and hours, probably like four hours every day, just making reads. Four hours a day. Do you have to be 
overly careful about your time management to balance your social life, practice academic family life? Mm -hmm. I try not to have too much downtime where I'm just on my phone doing nothing. But I mean, if you were to go into my screen time right now, I'm sure I've been on my phone for already five hours today and it's only like 3.30. So obviously it's not like I don't spend any time on my phone, but part of it is multitasking and part of it is just keeping a balance. Like some days I'll make reads for four hours. Some days I'll make reads for two hours. Some days I'll practice for three hours. Some days I'll practice for one hour. It just depends what's coming up. Does the irony strike you that you have to be careful not to spend multiple hours on your phone when you're a TikTok star that encourages people to do just that? Well, I mean, part of that time on my phone is just like editing videos, because if you see a 10 second video on my page, sometimes it'll be like, oh my God, that's so easy. I could do that. I could just like sit down and film a 10 second video. That takes no work. But what you don't see is the half hour that goes into setting up the room before that, the hour afterwards that I have to spend editing it. There, there's a lot that goes into like a 10 second video, shaving off half a millisecond to get that extra bit of watch time. It's <laughs> parallel to your read making. It is. You might say. Yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why your videos are so great is because they show and often poke fun at the process of improvement and growth. Mm -hmm. The mundane aspects of practice, the difficulty and frustrations with the oboe, and how music fits into your life with your friends and your family. Mm -hmm. Do you think having a sense of humor and the understanding of this process will help you tackle your ultimate goal of being a performing artist on the highest level? Yeah, I think with my social media content, making it relatable for people to understand and not have this prejudice that, oh, classical music is really fancy and it's unapproachable. To be honest, like when I started this, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to start a TikTok account to make classical music more accessible. That wasn't the goal. It was something that kind of happened on the side. And obviously now it is something that I think about when making videos. But I think that like it will help me in my ultimate professional goals because seeing the humorous sides of everything and not taking life too seriously and not getting so worked up if I don't win these auditions, blah, 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 I won't ever be successful. It's on social media too. You might have a period of time where your videos just aren't getting engagement that you're used to. And then other periods will get millions of views in 12 hours. So it's kind of like the audition process. Like I might have a, like a month long period or more of not doing well, and then I might land that big one. And that could just start everything, which is kind of what happened with my page. Like I had one video start everything. So I think that something like that hopefully will happen. <laughs> so many kids your age living their lives on social media can be a dangerous thing mm -hmm. and oftentimes paralyzing. Yeah. Yet you seem to be empowered by it. Do you ever fear that you might get sucked down that rabbit hole? Yeah, um, that is something that I think about. In order to help that, I only film in one day, like 10 videos in one sitting. And that'll take maybe like two or three hours just to do that. But that way, I'm spending only a portion of my Sunday night doing videos for the internet, whereas I have the whole rest of the week to focus on oboe. So I think I'm doing an okay job making sure that social media doesn't take the front seat. Yeah. 
you know, you, you but, have it in check. You have it in check. Yeah, I try to make an effort to like not have it ever go above my priorities for oboe. And you seem so regimented in that you're doing so much and you have such a firm grip on things at such a young age. What do you attribute that to? Were your parents very involved in helping you shape this productive life or did it all come from you? No, my parents were very influential in that sense. Ever since a young age, I've always been juggling so many different activities. I would go to eight-hour swim meets on the weekend and then come home and have to practice because I, I spent my whole day doing these swim meets. But my mom is like the definition of organized. She loves those shows on Netflix where it's like organizing your closet and everything in my house and in my room is super organized, like there for a reason. I don't have anything that like doesn't add value to my life. Um, I think the fact that I'm a minimalist also helps. I can't have distraction. The first thing I do when I get home is make my bed because I think a clean environment will promote a clean mindset. And I think that having a clean mindset will really help with the activities that you want to do and accomplish. I mean, I have like... Can I can I adopt you? Yeah, like, sure. That's like every parent's wish. Thank you. <laughs> but your videos, many of them, destigmatize what it is to be a classical musician. They show you not being perfect all the time. They show you having fun and the human side, often in a very funny way, of you doing something at a very high level, or at least trying to. Mm -hmm. um, do you think this helps people better relate to classical music in general? I think it does. Um, I mean, like from posting blooper reels to having me say things that I I wouldn't say to my teacher. It's funny because before I posted the video that like started it all, I showed my mom and she's like, you can't post that on the internet. You don't sound that good in it. Don't do that. And I let it sit in my head in my drafts for a day. And I was like, I kind of like it. I'm just going to post it and see what happens. And so I think it's that mindset that my mom had, that everything had to be perfect to put on the internet because it's there forever, contrasted with my idea that if I put stuff out there that isn't polished and perfect, people can relate better and people can find that more humorous side in their own playing, but also the people who aren't serious classical musicians can be like, oh, these people are normal too. I don't have to be scared of them or it's not like, all they're doing is locking themselves up in the practice room for like five hours a day and just playing. They have feelings too. You had mentioned that you're a minimalist and your average video is what, 20 seconds long? Maybe even shorter, like 12 seconds. That's a very small period to make even a knock-knock joke, much mm. less a complex joke about playing Mozart symphony. Yeah. Is it difficult to whittle these things down and what's that process like? Yeah, so I just edited one last night. It was a blooper reel for a video that I just posted. And it started with six minutes of footage that I edited down. I think this one's at like 24 seconds. And it is hard to have these videos where I'm making fun of myself, but have it make it so that it's not actually self-degrading, but also promote healthy habits, but also do all of these things in 15 seconds. But I'm, I'm used to it now. You're entering a field that often struggles. I hate to bring down the room, but <laughs> arts institutions have financial difficulties. Music programs in schools get cut. Classical music in general is not nearly as popular as, as other genres mm -hmm. of music. On top of this, 
it's insanely competitive to get the jobs that come up. They're mm -hmm. highly coveted positions. How do you stay focused and positive when there's so much doom and gloom in the industry itself? Obviously, there's that final goal of being in an orchestra and knowing that that's where you want to settle down. And I think that just having that idealized job in my head will motivate me to never get too down if an audition doesn't go the way I want it to go. But also just thinking of moving one step at a time, knowing that I'm doing the best that I can in the moment. I think that will really help stay focused and stay grounded and not get too overwhelmed with the fact that I don't have a job right now. I, I know eventually it'll all work out and I'm just hopeful that that's true. And I'm hopeful that the opportunities will come my way. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's about all you can do. <laughs> yeah. So obviously through your videos, you have a good idea of what your generation likes and how to keep their attention. Do you see aspects of classical music performances that can be approved upon? I think as like a, a shift in our attention span, like there's so much visual that's involved now. And like they're doing with the New York Phil, redoing the whole hall to make it look nice. I, at least I think it, it'll look nicer maybe reimagining a way that a venue could be to make it more enticing to, you know, when you're looking online for tickets and you're like, oh, wow, that hall looks really cool. Even if I'm not interested in the music, it would be super cool to go there and, you know, maybe take an Instagram picture. Maybe that would motivate them to go. But also, obviously, we'll never get rid of these standard works that are so ingrained into classical music, but maybe also incorporating new styles of music and modern music that could appeal to people that typically wouldn't go to these concerts, I think could be a new way to get more traction. Every orchestra, every ensemble has a social media presence. Mm -hmm. Are some of them cringy to watch or do you think they're getting better? I think they're slowly learning. You know, some of them definitely are cringy, but some of them are hilarious. Like the violist in the New York Phil, Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca yeah. Young. Yeah. I mean, she's great. I love how she's incorporating all the professional musicians and doing these like trends that 16 year olds would do with their friends. And it, it kind of also does the same thing that I'm trying to do, like normalizing classical music and not having the stigma behind it. Like the principal flutist of the New York Phil is doing this silly trend. And so is the entire brass section. And so is the entire woodwind section. Like also just like thinking about what she said to them, like, Hey guys, I want you to do this TikTok trend where I'm going to press play and you're going to quickly turn around to the camera and then slowly sit down in your chairs. They're probably like, what? But I yeah. think it does have a big impact. I saw it and I was like, oh, you can really like tell a lot from their personalities. Do you think that has impact? Do you think that will, in a way, make them want to see a concert or check something out? I think like at least it might direct them to their profile, click mm -hmm. on their account and seeing what these orchestras are like. You study with one of my colleagues at the Met mm -hmm. Opera, Elaine Duvas, and she's been a widely respected teacher and player for decades now. Mm -hmm. From your perspective as the student, what makes someone a great teacher? I do think that she is the perfect teacher. She has the balance of discipline, but also does a lot of demonstrational playing it's really great to just even hear her play in the room. Like I get so much more 
from hearing people play than if you just say like, oh, make sure that second note is short enough. Make sure you don't have an accent on it. But she's just like the full combination. Like she can play, she can teach. She's the master read maker. The other day she took out her read case and I played on one of her reads from the 1990s. She gave it to me to try and my hand is shaking because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to drop your read. It was perfect. And I aspire to reach her level of perfection. She was making reads with me the other day and I, in my head, I'm just like, it just makes sense when you do it. Like, why doesn't it make sense when I do it? And then I think I said out loud, I was just like, everything just makes sense when you do it. And she was like, well, yeah, I want to get to that point. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Speaking Soundly. Be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. To keep up on future episodes, follow me on Instagram at David Krause Trumpet and go to our website, artfulnarrativesmedia.com, for show notes, links, and information on all of our guests. Tune in next week as we hear another inspiring artist speaking soundly.